heart has been blessed to uh, look to the book of Philippians and uh, to think of the circumstances that Paul was in and the words that he wrote to his dear friends. This morning I want to take our time that's left and, and look at Philippians chapter 1 verses 12 through 18. And the truth that jumps out to me is, is very simple, that joy is a matter of perspective. Joy is a matter of perspective. We have a choice of what we will focus on in life. Uh, there's always going to be uh, good things and bad things in our circumstances and in the lives of people around us. Always. We have a choice of how we see those things and we have a choice of what we're going to focus on. Um, we talked about two weeks ago about uh, that joy is lived out of our calling our place in life, the place that God has put us. The thing that will kill our joy as relates to our calling is comparison. And so, we can look at our place in life and uh, we can compare that with others and we can see that other people have it different than we do. And if we're not careful and we compare and we look at it from a human perspective, uh, <laughs> That will be discouraging, depressing. Last Sunday we talked about how we find joy in the relationships with those who are traveling the same road as we are traveling. The reality is we can look to other people's lives and they can encourage us. We can find joy. But you know the reality is also we could look to other people's lives, maybe even Christians, and that could discourage us and depress us. In our circumstances and the people around us, there's always going to be good and bad. It, it doesn't matter. Joy is a matter of perspective in choosing to focus on those things. Here it is. Not from a human perspective, but from a heavenly perspective. If you look at life from a human perspective, yeah, the reality is, is there's going to be times that are better than others. And uh, you can say, okay, well, it's good right now. But it is dependent upon your circumstances. From a human perspective, you can look to other people's lives, and at times you're encouraged, but there's always going to be people that you could look at and focus on that would discourage you. I believe what Paul teaches us is that when you look at life from a heavenly perspective, there will always be something to find joy in. I can't promise you that from a human perspective. But I can promise you from a heavenly perspective we can always look at life and we can find a source of joy. I want you to notice in Philippians 1, these verses that Paul shares, I want you to notice Paul's perspective. 
And actually this first verse is kind of the one that just blows me away. So Paul has introduced his letter and he's said some things at the start just I don't want to say it's small talk but it's just kind of hey yeah mm, we're thanking God for you great we're praying for y'all y'all pray for us blah 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 but he starts into his message in verse 12 and this is what he says but I want you to know brethren that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Paul says, bottom line, that his circumstances in life have led to the advancement of the gospel. That's what he says in verse 12. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. The gospel has been furthered, he says, for those outside the church, outside the faith, and those who are inside the faith. You know the thing that strikes me? is that when Paul, after those introductory words, and he gets down to talking about what he wanted to talk about, Paul did not focus on his circumstances. I think if I was writing a letter, maybe this is why none of my letters are included, I would have said, well, it's pretty tough here in this prison in Rome, chained with this guard, and the food's not very good, and I've been this whole litigation of this trial has gone on for years now and I don't know when they're going to get to me and it's just pretty miserable right here and so y'all pray for me the thing that strikes me is Paul does not talk about his circumstances but he talks about the advancement of the gospel that was a choice could he have said all those other things Oh, absolutely, he could have said all those other things. But he chooses to focus on a heavenly perspective of what God was doing in the midst of his circumstances. It was not about his circumstances. It was about Christ. It was about the gospel. The, the key word in verse 12 is the word furtherance. Some of your translations may... Uh, translated the advancement. That, that word uh, is a word that is used of a, a, an army that is making an advancement, is taking new grounds. That's how it's used in, in the classical works where it's used elsewhere outside of the Bible. And what Paul says, I want you to know, because I think the, the implication might be this is, Paul has every reason to have a pity party and, and that the gospel's been squelched and things aren't going well. But when he sees it from a heavenly perspective, he begins to say, I want you to know this has really worked out good for the advancement of the gospel. You just can't believe this. 
how God has used this. And I think that's what, that's what blows me away. That was a choice that Paul made in the midst of his adverse circumstances. He could see it from God's perspective that God was advancing his kingdom through Paul's circumstances. He talks about those who are outside the church first in verse 13, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. The literal word here for palace guard uh, is praetorian or praetorium. It, 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 uh, it was a word that was used of an elite uh, Roman guard, like special forces. They were responsible for uh, protecting the king or Caesar in this case. They were the imperial guard. These were the, the best of the best. They had the highest uh, responsibility of any of the Roman soldiers. These, these were the very best. And here's the crazy thing. I, well, these guys, because they were the very best, they had uh, a certain influence in the Roman Empire. In fact, um, the ancient writers would say these were kingmakers. Kingmakers. Um, hmm. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna overthrow power, you want the military. You want the best of the best on your side. And these guys, if they decided who was going to be the next Caesar, who was going to be the next king, he was in. If they decided he wasn't the one, uh, he wasn't going to make it because they weren't behind him. These were kingmakers. They were highly influential. And here's the thing. You're not going to believe this. One of these guys, some of the most influential people in, in the Roman Empire, were chained to Paul. Now, if we read Acts 28, Paul is under house arrest, which means he had his own living quarters, but he was chained to a Roman guard. I mean, he had something around his wrist. There was a chain, and there's another dude. There's a Roman guard with a shackle around his wrist. He was chained to somebody. And according to what we know from the secular writers, every four hours, these guys traded out. And you see, what you could say is, well, good grief, I've got a soldier chained to me 24 hours a day. Paul would say, I've got a soldier chained to me. I think after a while, the, the soldiers went, hmm, I'm chained to Paul. I don't know that he's chained to me. I mean, you can look at it negatively and say, well, I've got a guy chained to me all the time. You could look at it positively and say, I've got a guy of influence that's chained to me all the time. And you understand what happened here? Paul says the gospel has been preached to those guys Ever four hours. They bring in a new guy, and he's chained to me. That's called a captive audience. We try not to do that in, in church today. No, I'm serious. It's like the dude, I think there were times he said, I'm really just sick of hearing it, you know. But it's like, where can he go? It is his responsibility. He's chained to Paul. And Paul's preaching the gospel. And Paul could have said, oh, poor pitiful me. I'm chained to a soldier all the time. But he said, no, the glory of how this has worked out is that God has chained a person of influence to me every minute of every day. And, I, and you realize this went on for two years, according to Luke in Acts 28. And he has the opportunity to those who are outside the faith that they were brought to him. He didn't have to look. 
He didn't have to look for people to witness to. No, they were chained to him. That was a two-way street. Yes, Paul was chained to them, but they were chained to Paul, and it was his time to witness. And Paul says to those outside, I want you to know this has worked out for the advancement of the gospel. But he also said to those who were inside the faith that it's also worked out the same way for the advancement of the gospel. He says in verse 14, And most of the brethren in the Lord... So he distinguishes... Um, well, in verse 13 he said, The whole palace guard and to all the rest. He was talking about those outside the faith, that my chains are in Christ. Verse 14, And most of the brethren in the Lord... These are brothers. These are Christians. Having become confident by my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You might think that because they arrested Paul and this had dragged on for almost four years at this point, two years in Palestine when he was in prison and now two years in Rome according to Acts 28, uh, you, would, you would think, well, well, now wait a second, there might be the Christian brothers that said, man, if they have hauled Paul in and probably they're going to put him to death, I think I'm just going to keep this on the down low, you know. Don't get me wrong, I still believe, but mm, there's no reason to mm, stick your nose and get in some trouble, you know. And it might have been from Paul's imprisonment that they might be intimidated. But Paul said, no, that's not the case. They have seen the way that I have responded to my faithfulness to the gospel, and he wants you to know, he said that the gospel is being advanced by those who are within the faith because they have become more bold. They're becoming fearless to present the gospel to those around them. They have looked to my life. He doesn't say that, but that's what he implies. My circumstances, and they have become more confident, more bold to speak without fear. Now, this is, this is kind of crazy what he goes on to say. Verse 15, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. Hmm. And some also from goodwill. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Paul's, now, now, Paul was like a lightning rod. This dude, I mean, somebody was going to get saved or they were going to run him out of town or both, every place he went. I mean, this is, this is not a little mamby-pamby Christian. This is a... I think Paul's a big personality guy. And, and, and you get it. Uh, within the body of Christ, sometimes that can be a little offensive. Or people think, well, if Paul wouldn't be all that, and, you know, a bag of chips, and he probably wouldn't have gotten in trouble in Jerusalem, wouldn't even be here today. And I don't... You know, it's all about Paul. The Apostle Paul. I don't know. Do y'all know how people are? He said there are some that preach the gospel out of envy, thinking to bring more troubles to me. So he said there's the envious preachers, and then there are the empathetic, those who show empathy, that they have preached the gospel because of Paul's stance. Uh, that's kind of hard for us to understand. But there were, Paul was kind of one of these guys that divided people. I love the way that Eugene Peterson translate, mm, paraphrases this in the message. 
This is the way Eugene Peterson translates, paraphrases these verses. It's true that some here preach Christ because with me out of the way, they think they'll step right into the spotlight. But others do it with the best heart in the world. One group is motivated by pure love, knowing that I am here defending the message, wanting to help. The others, now that I'm out of the picture, are merely greedy, hoping to get something out of it for themselves. Their motives are bad. They see me as their competition, and so the worse it goes for me, the better, they think, for them. So how am I to respond? I've decided that I really don't care about their motives, whether mixed, bad, or indifferent. Every time one of them opens his mouth, Christ is proclaimed, so I just cheer them on. You realize that from a human perspective, if Paul had looked at those people that were against him and preaching out of envy and jealousy... Do you understand that Paul could have, looked, could have focused on them? That's what I said earlier. There are people all around us, and you can look at people's lives, and sometimes they may encourage you, sometimes they may discourage you. It's your choice of what you're going to focus on. There were people that encouraged Paul and were supportive of him, but there were people that were not. And if Paul had spent, do you understand? If Paul had spent all of his time thinking about those people that were opposed to him, it would have killed his joy you know so really this Sunday the killed joy is focusing on the wrong things and you can look at the bad side of your circumstance you can look at the people that oppose you or against you not walking the walk disappoint you whatever you want to say you spend all your time on that oh it'll kill your joy Paul chooses to look not at the human, but at the heavenly. And from God's perspective, verse 18, Paul would say, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice and will rejoice. It wasn't about Paul. It was about the advancement of God's kingdom. Now that's a little, we got, you got to train your mind to think. <laughs> now, there's a lot of people against me. But you know what, I'm taking that as a positive. <laughs> because the more they're against me, the more they're talking. But they're talking about Jesus. And they got the facts right. They just don't really particularly like me. And you know what? That's all right. Because the gospel is being preached more and more. I've stirred up some things. I've encouraged the brethren that are empathetic to me. And I've stirred up the brethren who are envious of me. And the gospel is being preached. And he says, in this I do rejoice. And then he says, yes and will rejoice. I do rejoice and I will rejoice. I do choose joy in the midst of this because I'm looking at life. I choose to look at life from a heavenly perspective. And not only that, but I will rejoice. Do you realize that joy 
is a matter of perspective, and your perspective is your choice. It's always going to be good. It's always going to be bad. But when you look at it from God's perspective, there's always going to be something that you can find joy in. Hmm. And this is, I want to close with this, but this is the thing that gets me. When we choose joy in the midst of adverse circumstances, oh church, listen closely. This is the punchline. When we choose to look at life from a heavenly perspective and we choose joy in the midst of adverse circumstances, that choice, that attitude becomes a key component to our effectiveness as witnesses. The critical component is our joy in the midst of adverse circumstances. You remember the story from Acts 16? Paul and Silas chunked in jail for delivering the demon girl of the demon. Hmm. Beaten to within an inch of their life. And what Luke records is that midnight they were singing and praising God. Hmm. They chose joy in the midst of their adverse circumstances. Oh, and isn't it funny? When they, choose, when they chose the right perspective and the right attitude, that God then sent an earthquake. Hmm. I don't know, my mind just works like this. I wonder if they had had a pity party in the jail, if God would have sent the earthquake. I don't know that. But I have a feeling because they chose joy in the midst of that, and they were singing and praising because they couldn't sleep because they had been beaten almost to death. When the earthquake came, do you remember? And the Philippian jailer who's about to kill himself because the prisoners have escaped and they say, no, we are all here. Do you remember what Luke records is the first question that the Philippian jailer asked of Paul and Silas? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What does it take for me to get what you got because I need some of that if you can be singing and praising in the midst of being in jail and ha beaten within an inch of your life no I need a little of that I know my life is not where it needs to be do, do you get it? what if Paul and Silas had had a pity party in jail and God by his mercy sends the earthquake hmm I don't know Maybe God would have still drawn the heart of the Philippian jailer. It's possible that the Philippian jailer went, mm, I don't know. These boys, mm -hmm. they talk and talk and talk and talk and all this stuff. Yeah, blah, 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 theology. Mm -hmm. 
but what they have is not really contagious, is not infectious, is not something hmm, I really feel a need for in my life. Do you understand? Under house arrest, chained to a guard, if, jo if, if Paul had had a pity party and day by day he's complaining about the food and his living conditions and all this and how long the legal proceedings are taken, is there any thing that is contagious about that to the men that he's teaching about Jesus? I don't know. <laughs> Do you understand? The way we respond in the midst of adverse circumstances is an essential component to our effectiveness as a witness. Do you get it? That people look to our lives. Not in the good times. Everybody's happy in the good times. No, when people know that what you're going through is, is adverse circumstances and there is something different about you, and I believe it is something essential that God uses to draw people to say whatever it is that can make you be like that I need some of that and what I'm telling you Christians it's not about your circumstances and it's not about other people it's about your choice this isn't some kind of human philosophy that, oh, if you'll just think about people that have it worse than you, then you'll feel better about yourself. That's kind of a pitiful, pitiful perspective of life. That's still looking at it humanly. No, look at it heavenly. That as I'm being obedient to Christ, even though I may be in jail and chained to a guy 24-7, that I'm taking it as an opportunity to share the gospel and I'm inspiring those who are against me and those that are for me to preach the gospel, the kingdom of God is being built and Christ is being exalted. It's good. And in that, I do rejoice and I will rejoice. Joy is a matter of perspective and your perspective is your choice and if you will choose to look at life from the heavenly perspective, there will always be a source of joy. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, today we thank you for Jesus more than anything else. <laughs> and God, if you don't do anything else for us, then save our soul and give us purpose and meaning in life that you have done for us far more than we ever deserved, even as your created beings. And so, Father, today I pray that we would get our eyes off of ourselves and our own agendas and perspective and you would help us to see life from your perspective. And Father, you would give us joy in the midst of that and I pray that it would be so infectious that there would be people that pass us. So what must I do to be saved? So I pray that you would change us in this day and I pray that you would let us know that in the power of Christ we have the power to choose Pray that we would focus on you today. Trust us to you.